everyone. Welcome back to the Bible Said What podcast. My name is Elizabeth and I'm going to be your host for this episode. Okay. Wow. It has been a crazy two weeks or three weeks, however long it's been since I've posted. I'm aware that I have not been very consistent, um, but that's just because I have been super, super busy over here. I'm traveling on the weekends. I'm working in a church on the weekdays along with class. So uh, it's been kind of hard to get on here and post. That being said, I will probably start posting every other week. Um, instead of every week just to, you know, take that pressure off of myself to make it more genuine for all of us um, and just to keep it fun, you know, not make it an obligation or something to check off the list because I do want this to be something that is very genuine. But that being said, we have so much to catch up on, guys. So much has happened within the past two or three weeks that I cannot wait to talk about. Um, But first, we have huge news. Okay, so we are officially an award-winning podcast. Is that not insane? So basically for my school, Sanford, um, I submitted an episode from last season to the Southeastern Journalism Conference and just to, you know, see what would happen. And believe it or not, we actually got fifth place. (laughs) How crazy is that? We got fifth place for best audio program. So there we go. First season, we're already, you know, have some awards under our belt. It's pretty awesome. Um, So yeah, we're just going to pray that the Lord will keep growing this and keep you know, helping us learn and improve. Because I'll be honest, we're on season two and I barely know what I'm doing. (laughs) But hey, we're having fun with it and the glory of God is being proclaimed. So that is all that matters. All right. So this next couple, these next couple weeks, um, what we're going to be getting into is a mini series that I like to call Breaking the Bible Belt. And we're just kind of going to be talking about all of the differences in Christianity between the Bible Belt, where I have grown up my entire life, and then the UK and Europe, which is where I am now. Because let me tell you, there is a huge difference. And that was something that was a big culture shock to me coming over because, you know, for the past 19 years of my life, I've grown up surrounded by um, not only a Christian home, but a Christian community where even if people don't go to church, they could probably tell you who Jesus is and maybe even some Bible stories. They may be able to quote scripture because it is just something that is so firmly woven into the culture. And then I came over to London and there's people who have never been to church because they don't even know someone who knows Jesus which I think is just so crazy and such a huge difference. So we're going to be talking about the differences in that, especially with all of these revivals popping up across these college campuses in America. Come on, let's go. We're going to get into that later because let me tell you, it's amazing what the Lord is doing. And I'm very, very happy that I'm here in London. Do not get me wrong. However, I I kind of wish I was in the U.S. right now just to like see and feel what's going on. Um, So yeah, we're going to get into that in just a second. So yeah, let's do it. All right, so yeah, let's talk about these revivals and let's talk about what's going on. So if you follow us on social media at Bible said what with underscores between the words, then you saw me kind of mention this on my story over the weekend, but I do want to talk about it in greater detail and greater depth. And I mean, I can't say anything except that I am just floored. Like, like I was saying, I'm happy to be in London, but I really wish I was in the US just so I could see what is happening. And in fact, one of the colleges who has been set on fire for the Lord is where I go to school, Sanford University. So, so proud to be a bulldog right now. Um, And I've had a lot of friends go over and tell me the stories of what the Lord is doing and how the Lord is working. And it's just incredible. 
Um, and I'll be honest, I was very, very skeptical at first. Um, whenever I heard about the revivals at Asbury and then it's spreading to Lee and just all these other colleges, I was a little skeptical. Um, and I don't, I don't understand, like, I don't really know why there was some resistance. Um, I think overall it just chalked it up to, I was underestimating the power of God, which is always stupid. Um, but I was like, is this a social media trend? Like, come on, let's not make, let's not make a revival trendy, quote unquote. But now that I have, first of all, done more research into it, heard some firsthand accounts, seen and read all of these, you know, this information about it, I I don't think you can really explain how God is moving. Like, obviously you never can, but it, it's something that can't be described in human words, just what God is doing. And I've said this before, I whatever God is doing with Gen Z, like he has a major plan for because our generation is just absolutely set on fire for the Lord that and it's no wonder that something like this happened and is happening. Like these revivals have been going on for days and going on weeks. Um, and there is, I mean, they're still going y'all, they're going strong. And so I think God is really, really working in and through our, our generation here. Um, but not only with the revivals, but it's just kind of everything. Like first we have celebrities like Joshua Bassett and Jake, you know, the guy who sings Golden Hour. They are sharing their testimonies and they're coming to Christ and they're leading worship in their concerts in Hollywood, which is insane that the Lord is, you know, shining in that area. Um, but yeah, I think it's just amazing how these these things are being led by teenagers and young 20-somethings. Like, come on, First Timothy 4.12, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. I just think it's incredible how they are leading in with such boldness at such a young age. I say they like I'm not one of them. Like I'm literally 20 years old um, and I'm like, oh, the freshmen are little babies. <laughs> and it's like, that was me last year. Anyways, um, but yeah, for days, these people declaring the glory of God and how he's working in their hearts. And here's the thing that could not be more opposite to what is going on over here in London and in Europe. Um, and I'm while I'm over here, I'm involved in a London Baptist youth leadership like training and um, training group. And the first week that I was here, it kind of came up the differences between, you know, the cultural Christianity in London versus um, the, the United States. And so we kind of talked about it and I asked them, you know, what is it like over here? being a young Christian leader. And one of the things that they kept saying is they were like, we need revival. We need the Holy Spirit to come and take over. Um, and they would even say like, I feel like in America, you know, you always see people in the word, churches are packed out. They're just on fire for God. And they're like, we need that here. We don't know why that's not here. And so it got me thinking just kind of why that is, like, what are the differences? And then this past weekend, I actually went to Iceland, right? And, which was amazing, so beautiful. The Lord was showing off left and right with his creation, but that's actually part of the story. So we went on this guided tour around the Golden Circle. And that's like a geyser, a waterfall. You see these mountains, you go hike a volcano, which I almost fell down because I didn't wear boots and it was icy and snowing. Um, but getting back to the point. So this tour guide, while we were on the bus driving between locations, he did a segment on Christianity because Christianity is technically the religion in Iceland, Protestant Christianity. But one of the things he was talking about is how people feel connected to nature. Understandably so. It was gorgeous. But one of the things he said is the people here are spiritual, but they're not religious. And I thought that was really interesting um, because they are technically Christians by culture, 
but very, very few of them actually, quote unquote, practice and very few of them will actually invest in their relationship with Christ. And I just thought that was so interesting because he kept going talking about nature and how there is just this, you know, unspoken power about it, this uh, beauty that is just so strong and that people can feel such a connection to. And the only thing that I could think of in my head is rocks crying out, right? Because people feel this deep connection to the beauty of God, but they feel connected to the creation, but not the creator, right? And I'm like, why? Like, he's proving himself right in front of you. Like, you see the mountain? Oh, I just knocked over my notebook. Have you seen, like, do you see the mountain in front of you? How can you not acknowledge that the Lord is real when you see that? And the thing is, their hearts are. Our hearts are naturally inclined to worship, right? Our hearts are naturally inclined to give glory when we see something that is a product of the Lord, right? But because these people in Iceland aren't actively aware of of Christ, of the relationship that they could have, right? They just, they just don't know. Like they just don't know about it, right? And so their hearts are rejoicing, but they don't know what to do with it. And so that is how they justify it is they feel, they say they feel a connection to nature. And like I said, the thing that I was thinking about was that verse that was like, even if people don't cry out in worship, then the rocks will. Like these mountains are literally crying out the glory of God and people are feeling it and they're seeing it, but they're not participating in it. And I'm like, you have that, but then you have America where you have just four walls packed out with teenagers and with students and with adults who are just glorifying the Lord with everything in their being, right? And they're just, they're just within four walls. And the difference is insane. So I went back and I found that verse that I was talking about. Um, It's in Luke chapter 19, and we're going to start in verses... 39. So this is whenever Jesus is coming into um, Jerusalem and he tells his disciples, go and find a colt tied there that no one's ever written, untie it and bring it here. And they say, um, and you know, he tells them, wait, he tells the disciples <laughs> to tell it, the person who asks to say the Lord needs it, right? And so of course the disciples go in, they find the colt, they bring it to Jesus and he rides in. And people are giving praise to God in loud voices for all the miracles they've seen, right? This is Luke. And in verse 39, it says, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. In verse 40, it says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I just think that is amazing because you genuinely cannot keep the glory of God silent. And no one can contain that. And it's always evident around us. And I think these revivals are a really good embodiment of that. Personally, I am so excited. I am so excited to see what the Lord does after these revivals are over and once they've concluded. Right now, God is filling and he is mending so many hearts. And I cannot wait to see how they overflow onto the world around them afterwards. Because as we were saying, the world needs revival. The Lord needs Christians to pray for boldness and to step up and to share the message that they have just been given so much joy, right? We need to spread the news of why we are giving glory to the Lord and why we are, you know, what the Lord's doing in our hearts during this revival, because you can't just be filled to the brim and then not go share it with people. You know what I mean? That's that's not entirely the purpose of revival. Of course, the purpose of revival is to reignite our passion for Christ. But what happens after? Like, 
what's the point of having passion if you don't do anything with it? So that's what we're going to talk about now is how we can take this revival that we've experienced and how we can carry it on after the physical worship has ended. So let's talk about boldness because this season of revival is an awesome reminder of how powerful and how active our God really is, right? And because of that, we are being equipped to be the spark for the fire of the Holy Spirit. And you're like, okay, cool, Elizabeth, got it. But but what next? Let's talk about it. So if you have your Bible, open it up to 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapters 4 and 5. These are some of my favorite chapters in the Bible whenever I need to get myself hyped up. Like whenever I'm at camp and it's week 5 and I'm tired because I'm, you know, it's the fifth week of camp, have new students. This is what I'll read because um, it's just a really good reminder. Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth as an encouragement and to give them some boldness and to just um, give them the little push that they needed, right? And to remind them that they are made new in Christ. So what do they do with that? So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm going to read a decent amount of verses. So stay with me here. We're going to read verses 1 through 6 and then skip down to 13 through 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced the secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth, plainly we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We're going to pause there. We're going to kind of interpret what these verses are saying. I love this because first off, Paul is saying, we did, we've renounced secret and shameful ways. We don't use deception or distort. So he's saying, whenever we preach the word of God, we are preaching truth. And it is not my truth or your truth. It is God's truth. And that is, it is the way and the truth in the life, which is Jesus, right? There's no mixing that up. There is no changing that. That is what we are preaching, right? And then he says in verse three, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. And this verse, every time I read it, just really strikes me because it's really easy to get shy when we're talking about the Lord and whenever we are, you know, on we're on fire for God. And then we get an opportunity and we shut down because we're scared, right? But here's the thing, whenever we, like Paul says, veil the message of the gospel that we have, whenever we keep it to ourselves, that person is perishing, right? That person does not have everlasting life. You know what I mean? So you're hiding and you're hurting them at the same time. It's not helping you or them, right? So Paul is saying, you have to go. Like that's our obligation if we're going to reach out to one another in love because it is not loving to veil the message of the gospel when you you have the key to eternal life. We're going to talk about this later, which is literally the most amazing thing anyone on earth could have, right? And you're not sharing it. And it's not what we're supposed to do. That's not what we're called to as Christians, right? He goes on and he says, um, the God of this age, and in verse, let's see, it's verse four. That word God is not capitalized, meaning he's not talking about the holy God, right? He's talking about the enemy here. He's saying the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers 
so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So how are these people going to be able to recognize the glory of Christ if we don't show them, if we don't tell them, and if we don't help them lift that veil that the enemy has placed over their hearts? Moving on to verse 5, that says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. So that's kind of going back to Paul saying, this is something we do with a humble heart. This is something we do with humility, right? And I feel like that is something that is also very important to remember after revival, after we've had this, you know, mountaintop experience, you know, taking that and moving forward with humility. And that's because that's the root of what boldness is. Boldness is humbling yourself enough to be able to serve someone, right? And after revival, that's the heart posture that we have to have if we are going to continue it. Because when we start glorifying ourselves instead of glorifying God, that's when the revival dies. We are servants for the Lord, and that is such a blessing because He did not have to give us that privilege. He did not have to take us, make us whole, so that then we can be a more effective vessel right? Um, Later on in this chapter, it talks about being jars of clay and how we are broken, but we are made new in Christ and we are made a new creation. Um, And the reason that the Lord makes us new is A, so we can have a relationship with Him, but B, so we can more effectively glorify His kingdom through that brokenness, right? We can go to people and we can say, look, I have healing for this. And after the season of revival, you can be like, hey, this is how the Lord has bended my heart and refilled my soul. I'm completely filled with joy and hope. Let me let me give you this. Like, let me show you what this is. It's Jesus. Moving on to verse six, it says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So this is basically where Paul is saying, you know, the Lord has shined his light in us so that we can illuminate the darkness around us and so we can display the glory of Christ where it is needed in that darkness. We're going to skip down to verse 13, which says, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. And this is where Paul is saying, like, like prove it. You know, you have faith. Okay, cool. What are you going to do about it, right? Because faith and action go together here. Whenever we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we cannot help but speak about it. We cannot help but overflow that grace onto more and more people. And when we do that, it just grows. Whenever we overflow onto other people and we fill their cup, then they're then able to overflow onto other people. And it just creates this beautiful domino effect that is um, surrounding the core of faith. So on a much more real note here, what is holding us back from doing that? What is holding us back from being the light in the darkness and going to these people who are veiled to the light of Christ and the glory of Christ? Sometimes it's just fear. Let's be honest. Um, I know, especially in our culture and our society, you know, religion is something that it's like, oh, do follow the religion that makes you happy, right? Or follow the religion that, you know, fulfills you. And people mix up religion and relationship. And I think Christianity is so cool. I mean, A, because it leads to, you know, eternal life. Just a small perk there. (laughs) But also, Christianity is the only religion where you have a relationship 
with the Lord, one that he pursues you in love and not fear. And the fear that is reciprocated is a respect and an awe and not something that is from a source of obligation. And like, even on social media, I'll get comments in my like reels that are like, I hope your religion brings you happiness, but you know, please keep it to yourself. And it just breaks my heart because those people completely miss the point of what being a Christian is. Like, I don't call myself a Christian because it it makes me happy, right? In the Lord's presence, there is fullness of joy, but happy is definitely not a word that I would use to describe it all the time. (laughs) You know, I, I call myself a Christian because I am known and I am loved and I am made significant by the creator of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen, right? And I'm made in his image. And not only that, but he wants a relationship with me so badly that he sent his son to die in one of the most like historically brutal ways possible so that I can live with him, right? Have you guys ever thought of that? Just the power of the message of the gospel? Like God literally took a sign of fear and death because that's what the Romans used the cross as. It was something that was used to control through fear. And he took it and now we wear it over our hearts to show that we have everlasting life. Like the message of the gospel quite literally has the power to turn death into life. And we wear that as a sign of joy and a sign of hope when in its day, when it, before, before Jesus died on it, it was used as a sign of death and fear, which is the complete opposite of what we are promised whenever we walk in relationship with, with Jesus and with the Lord. I just think that is incredible, right? Like, why would we not want to pursue the fiercest love that we've ever been given and try to try to give that to other people? Like, why are we hiding that from people? You know, I'm not perfect. I have been saved through faith and grace and mercy that I definitely don't deserve. But I try to walk with the Lord daily, right? Um, and to prevent someone from doing the same, I think would it would just be selfish. And I just feel like we can't keep to ourselves the greatest love and the greatest hope that one can ever receive because it's not a religion. It is a relationship. And that relationship persists even whenever the warm fuzzies are gone. You know, like one day the revivals will die down right? And things won't seem as exciting or things won't seem as active. But the thing is, even whenever people stop, God doesn't stop. God is always working. He's always moving. The reason that he is called the living water is because in biblical times, living water was um, used to describe water that was moving, right? So if water was still, then it was dead. But if it was like a stream or, you know, any, any movement of water, right? Then it was called living water. Oh, there is a car horn in the background. <laughs> I'm recording right by a, a, a window next to a road. So I apologize for any background noise that you might hear. Anyways, continuing on. <laughs> um, yeah, Christ is active always. He never stops. He never stops working, even whenever it's not visible. Because a relationship, and I mean, you'll hear this in when talking about love and relationships with like people but it's also true for our relationship with Christ that love is a choice and boldness is a choice and choosing God is is a choice choosing God is a choice that was redundant it gets the point across um and it's something that we have to pursue actively but the thing is he also pursues us something that I get a lot from students that I've had either in bible study or in small group is they'll come up to me and they'll be like Elizabeth I don't feel God like I used to And I get that. I experienced that too. It is something that is definitely a struggle because, you know, it's nice to emotionally feel the spirit, right? 
but the Spirit's always there, even whenever we don't quote unquote feel Him, if that makes any sense. Like, if you go, if you go chasing a feeling, you're not going to get anything. But if you chase the Lord, that's when you're going to start understanding. And that's when your relationship with Christ is going to deepen because emotions are a result of the presence of the Holy Spirit, not vice versa. You know, just because we go to our quiet times in our Bibles expecting to feel this great sense of revival that we've been feeling, like if that's our motivation, we're not going to feel anything. But if we go to the Lord in His presence to pursue Him and pursue the relationship that He's given us as a gift, that's when He's going to meet us where we are because that is how we're going to grow that relationship. And that is how revival kind of keeps its traction and keeps its momentum. And also accountability is huge too. Like surround yourself actively with other believers because that's another thing that makes revival so powerful is that you are together with people who are feeling, you know, the same spirit that you are and experiencing the same movement of Christ, which is a beautiful thing. That's what we were created for, right? We were created to fellowship with each other and with the Lord. So that is just a perfect visual. So keep that up. Even whenever the, you know, organized revival has subsided, be, be in a small group, go to church with your friends, like have an accountability partner, check in with each other, pray for each other. That's a big one. And then I think the biggest and final thing to keep a spirit of revival is to just be in God's word, right? This is our instruction manual. This is our encouragement. It is the word of God. It's his love letter to us. And it's a gift. And so we should use it and we should be in it. We're going to read one more verse in 2 Corinthians, but this time we're going to be in chapter 3. And I just saw this verse whenever I was planning. Um, It wasn't necessarily like in a forefront in my mind, but I think it's really cool that I saw it because it applies perfectly. So so chapter 3, verse 2 says, You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So hide God's word in your heart. I know we hear that all the time. We say it when we say the pledge to the Bible in Awana on Wednesday nights, (laughs) whenever we're little, but it's so true because this is the sword of the spirit and that is how we are going to fight the battles of our life, whether it be spiritual warfare or just whenever we feel empty and we need that revival again. Um, If you feel like you hit a valley after being on this amazing hill, go to the word. That's how you're going to refill your spirit. That's how we all refill our spirit as Christians, because that's how we talk to our heavenly father. Well, that is all that I have for today. I know that this wasn't our typical Bible study style. I know it was more of just me kind of talking and explaining and reading through some things, but I hope it made sense. I hope (laughs) it came out clear and I hope it was a source of encouragement for anyone who needs it. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to pray, and then we'll go. Y'all bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and just your power and the season of revival that you have sparked across all these college campuses um, in the United States. And God, we pray that you will just bring that sense of, of revival to the darkness and help us have the boldness and the humility to shine your light where it was needed. Lord, we like to pray that after these revivals end, that you will keep Um, working in ways that are evident and that encourage us, Lord. We thank you for using us even though we are broken vessels. We like to thank you for your mercy and fulfilling us and for your grace and just for your healing, Lord. And we like to pray that you will help us be effective vessels for your kingdom, Lord. 
We pray that you'll give us a good week and a good month, and that you will walk with us as we walk with you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.